Well, hey, V1 Church, this is your lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, coming at you live. I'm actually broadcasting from Valparaiso, Indiana. Can you believe it? Well, before we jump into the message, can you all put your hands together, get real loud, and celebrate everybody who's joining in live with us right now around the world? Like, it's amazing to see what God is doing. So drop a comment right now if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, and just shout somebody out, tag a friend right now. And if you haven't already, I'm asking you to share. Matter of fact, if you're on our Long Island location, you can. I give you permission to take your phone out and hit the share button on this broadcast now. Like you don't, you're not exempt, okay? Um, so go ahead and share because you are witnessing a very historic event in the timeline of our church. And right here in Valparaiso, Indiana, as a matter of fact, I'm actually on Chicago Street, which is where I owned a home. And many of you know where I famously heard the Holy Spirit tell me to go to New York to launch V1 Church. And so in a very real sense, there's this full circle moment happening. And I'm gonna try not to get emotional right now because y'all know the Holy Spirit made me into a crybaby. But to be on Chicago Street all these years later, you know, the Holy Spirit told me in 2012 to come out to New York to plant V1 Church. That's a long time. But how many of you know that if God said it, come on, all we've got to do is believe it and then we will see it with our own eyes. And we're living in the promise of what he told me in my garage, just literally houses away from where I'm at right now. That's something to celebrate. Go ahead and take your Bibles out. We're gonna take a very deep dive into approximately 13 scriptures and instead of giving you like 40 scriptures and going wide, we're, I'm gonna give you about 13 scriptures. Many of them are familiar to you, but we're gonna go deep today. And I know that V1 Church loves to go deep. Hey, let me ask you, did you actually share yet? Because I know some of you heard me say that. And uh, you're, how, how can you be obedient to the word if you can't be obedient to the command to share? They're not, they're not with the same level of authority. That's okay. You don't have to share, but let's get this message out there. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I don't know if you were there last week. As you get your Bibles ready, you can open up to Acts chapter two. It's going to be one of those kind of sermons. Yes, Acts chapter two. But last Sunday was incredible. And I don't really have words to describe the fullness of what God did, but I can tell you that I have never encountered anything like I did last Sunday. Do you know that we broke a record for the number of shares and views on a V1 church service globally? It was off the charts. Did you know that we had atheists and agnostics and former Hindus and even a former Muslim all accept Christ, go through a discipleship journey and they get baptized Last week, it's amazing. As a matter of fact, the reason why I'm broadcasting right now from Valparaiso, Indiana, is because V1 Indiana is baptizing over 30 people right now. <laughs> Come on, can we just celebrate that? You can get excited about what God is doing. There's a reason why we've been fought so much. I mean, it's because the enemy knew that this day was coming. So let's look at, at this. So I wanna give you a little bit of historical context as we jump in. So when you talk about about Pentecost. I'm not talking about Pentecostal. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, maybe the modern connotations of Pentecost. What I'm actually talking about is this Hebrew tradition. 
When you go back to the Jewish roots of scripture, Pentecost actually means 50th, 50th. And so it would have occurred the seventh Sunday from Easter, the seventh Sunday from Easter. Isn't it crazy to think about the fact that in V1 Indiana, the last time we physically met was Easter. And now here we are right on time, Pentecost Sunday. It's amazing. And we have this celebration in Judaism called the Feast of Weeks. And they actually created this convergence in Jerusalem. And I want you to pay attention because there's nothing in the Bible unintentionally. As a matter of fact, the more distance you get from the scriptures and you see the aerial perspective of what God was doing with all of the intricacies, it will blow your mind. And when I was studying for this message, I, I wanted to look at it with fresh eyes. And when you study the Feast of Weeks, you actually would have realized historically, most likely, they also called it the Feast of Harvest, like or a harvest celebration. It would have actually caused Jews as well as converts, like converts to Judaism, who would have actually been living according to the Mosaic law, to all come together for the Feast of Weeks in one space. So they'd all have their own kind of unique family backgrounds. They'd all, you know, it's just like when you live in New York City versus you live in Northwest Indiana, you might dress a little bit different. You, one might say coffee and the other one might say coffee, <laughs> right? Don't be mad at me, New Yorkers. I, I know you hate when I do that. All the New Yorkers are like, we don't say coffee, we say coffee. And I'm like, you're saying coffee. Okay, I'm sorry. But they all would have converged. So you'd have these basically Jews from the region all coming together to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. Then you also have converts who are living according to Mosaic law. So it was a diverse group of people all there for a religious ceremony. Then all of a sudden as it plays out, you know that um, it was the day that was promised that the Holy Spirit would be just completely released into planet Earth. And so the, it's, here's why I'd say that's it's so significant before we jump into our text because you have this very early account of the Tower of Babel. And what's happening in the Tower of Babel is human beings are united around a singular cause to build this tower all the way to heaven. And there was a unity around a, a human endeavor. And what it, it ended up in, it was mass confusion and destruction because it wasn't God's will. You know, sometimes we get caught up on my will, not thy will. And when you get enough people all congregating around my will and not thy will, it's going to end in a lot of confusion and a lot of destruction. Can I get an amen from anybody watching right now? We've been a part of ministries that are led by a whole bunch of people doing my will, not thy will. We've been a part of business ventures where it's a whole bunch of people stuck on my will, not thy will. And it always ends like the Tower of Babel, confusion and destruction. But then now you have the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then you have this, this new thing that's beginning to emerge, this unity around God's will. And they're saying, okay, we got the last words of Jesus, which were go and wait. Come together in one mind and one accord and wait. And they begin to unite themselves in the upper room around God's will. But their audience, and I need you to pay attention to this because this is very important. Their audience was a diverse audience that would have all come for this religious ceremony, the Feast of Weeks. 
And it's almost, if you ever play football, you don't throw the ball to who's available. You throw it to the spot that they're supposed to meet you. That's how you play football. You throw it to a specific spot where they're supposed to meet you. And it's like you have this convergence where all these diverse people are in one place and God's getting ready literally to set the stage for Pentecost, the true fulfillment of what that means. And I want to show you what this means because Pentecost today is Pentecost, but what we're celebrating is this supernatural unity among humans to empower us to do God's will. And it's a unity that cannot be legislated through politics, no matter how good the politicians are. It's, it's a unity that you cannot create or engineer in any other way but supernaturally through God. And what it results in is a freedom that occurs when the kingdom dream is fulfilled. Can I just say this, and this is a side note, because we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2, verse 1. If you've ever been hurt in church, most likely you've been hurt by someone trying to do something Jesus-flavored that wasn't God's kingdom will on earth. There's a lot of things that we put a sticker on it, we put a logo on it, we put a font to it, but God never approved it because it's not kingdom work. And what I want more than anything is to set aside logos, to set aside egos, to, you know, we live in an era of fake celebrityism. We live in an era of clout chasing. We live in it. Nobody hears me preaching today. We, we, we live in an era of likes, follows, shares, and all this stuff. But God is looking for a people who will humble themselves. God's looking for a people who will get out of the way so that he could have his way. God's looking for a people where the light inside of them is brighter than the lights that are on them. Does anybody hear me today? Come on. The Holy Spirit's not really into sharing the glory <laughs> and he's looking for a people who won't steal it from him and when I look at this first century church it's just a whole bunch of people who say man I I'm, when the cross happened we all ran scared in every direction so if the Holy Spirit's going to be released into the earth, I know I can't steal any glory from it. Luke, the physician's like, man, I was intelligent enough to get that degree, but I have no idea how to do God's will other than submission. You get to this point where you say, man, if you're really going to be used by God, if you're really going to step into his perfect will for your life, we've got to learn how to get out of the way so he can have his way. I'm talking about Pentecost. And this is, this is the tale of two cities. This is what I'm entitling this message. Let's look at Acts chapter two, verse one. We're gonna take it very slow through these texts. And I want you to listen. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. God has a divine calendar. And I hope you know that if he was this intentional about biblical prophecy, how much more intentional is he about your life? So when the day arrived, you, Pentecost wasn't going to happen a day earlier or a day later. It's going to happen right on time. You know, he never shows up when we want him to, but he's never been late. Can I get an amen from somebody? The day of Pentecost had arrived. Let's go to verse two. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Isn't it amazing that a global pandemic got the church to seek the Holy Spirit in a house again? 
<laughs> what, what if we needed to learn how to pray in our house and in his sovereign will, he was like, man, you guys got the religious ceremonies down really well in your local church buildings, but I wish you would find me in a house like they did 2,000 years ago. I know somebody's watching in a house right now and their husband's in the other room acting like they're not hearing this message, but I'm still believing that the same Holy Spirit can come like a mighty rushing wind to fill a house again. Does anybody believe? Does anybody filming believe it with me? God is gonna do some amazing things today. Charge the atmosphere with expectation. It's that it filled the entire house they were sitting in. Acts chapter two, verse three. And divided tongues, this is the ESV version. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Each one of them. Acts chapter two, verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, the mantra that we all hear, and I was raised in it, is that we have the power in and of ourselves. And if we could just dig deeper, if we could just push harder, if we could just try harder, if we could just learn more, read more books. But see, what I love about this Acts chapter two, verse four, is it says the Holy Spirit filled them and then gave them the ability to do something they did not have the ability to do in and of themselves. Rule number one, when Pentecost happens, people are going to start to do things that they were not capable of doing. And the only difference wasn't another course, it was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, I, and, and listen, we're not gonna dismiss learning. We're not gonna dismiss actually showing ourselves approved by studying the scriptures. But I'm just here to tell you, you have to get to the place where you say, where people begin to say, What's happening through Mike Signorelli, there's no way he has the ability or the power in and of himself to do it because that's the very first thing that happens. The Spirit gave them utterance of other languages. Acts chapter two, verse five. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Let me ask you the question. Are you devout or are you dangerous? You guys are ready for this. Are you devout or are you dangerous? Because there were devout men going through the religious practices, but then there were some dangerous men who had followed Jesus who said, I may not be good at being devout, but I've made up my mind to be dangerous and I'm gonna usher in this next season called Pentecost. I'm asking you, are you devout or are you dangerous? Because devout's not gonna get the job done. If you're devout, you have the nice meticulously curated Instagram with all of your Christian quotes and your cropped in pictures of your coffee cups. If you're devout, you always show up for the connect group and you're always there on time to serve on your dream team. But if you're dangerous, you never miss a moment led by the Holy Spirit. And you're so much more consumed with the mission than anything else. Are you devout or are you dangerous? And I was thinking about these devout men who were like, I'm doing a good job, God. I'm here for the feast of weeks. I'm doing my pilgrimage, God. Look at what I'm doing. Isn't that the essence of religion? Look what I'm doing for you. When God says the cross declared anything good that you'll ever present before me is like filthy rags, the gospel is actually what he did for us that was completely impossible. He saved us, saved us even from our own self-righteousness. 
I actually think the biggest barrier to the church, I used to think it was atheism. I've come to believe it's self-righteousness through pride. Because see, I've had many conversions of atheists through V1 Church in the last couple of years, but I've had virtually zero self-righteous people say, I want to humble myself, Pastor Mike. <laughs> so the real miracle of Pentecost was people choosing not just to be devout and self-righteous, but to be humble and to say, God, my humility before you, my openness, my willingness to see what you're doing in the earth and, and not look at it through the lens of my programming of where I was raised and how I was raised in Judaism, but to acknowledge through humility what you're doing. That qualified them to do incredibly dangerous things for God and became history makers. And look, look, if you come to V1 Church and you're still holding on to yesterday, your past successes can be the biggest deterrent to future success in the kingdom. Everybody thinks your, your failures disqualify you. Actually, it could be your past success that disqualifies you from future success because you think you know how it's done. But God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. Has anybody seen this? No, I'm doing a new thing. And there's something about this. When I looked at that, I said, wow, there's devout men in Jerusalem. You got a devout man in one house who's just going through the religious ceremonial practices, holding on to yesteryear. And then you've got a dangerous man in another room just saying, come on, Holy Spirit, we're gonna keep praying until you come. We know what Jesus said. We believe, you hear what I'm saying? I, I want a dangerous church. Acts chapter two, verse six. And at this sound, the multitude came together and then they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in their own language. I won't say much about verse six other than if you don't know what God's doing, you will be bewildered when you watch it happen. You'll be forced to be a spectator when God destined you to be a participant. Oh, come on. Come on, do you hear me? You had devout religious people who were astonished, the scriptures say, and they were bewildered. But what it doesn't say is that they participated in it. They were just spectators. I believe that God wants to shift many of you from being a devout, bewildered, astonished spectator to a wild, dangerous, crazy participant. Because here's the truth. The participants did it. They didn't know the scriptures. They didn't know the Torah. They didn't have the knowledge and that, that, the, that the bewildered ones had, but they had the willingness. They had the heart disposition towards God that said, God, if you could use anything, use me. I remember Catherine Coleman said, God is not looking for silver vessels. He's not looking for gold vessels. He's looking for willing vessels willing vessels and the willing ones get to participate but the willful ones only spectate come on this is so rich today verse 7 and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these who are speaking Galileans <laughs> like is it even possible that somebody from Long Island can speak with such authority and boldness and power they didn't even go to seminary I mean is it is it possible that somebody in Valparaiso Indiana could have such a revelation of God I have no idea how this is possible like they think they knew them based on their geography come on but see, God had done something inside of their lives that was just completely transformational. And now, here's the thing that I want you to understand today. Satan knows scripture. So to learn scripture 
in a sense, doesn't make you a true believer because Satan knows it too. Matter of fact, there's a pretty high likelihood that demons attend churches across the world globally every Sunday. So church attendance certainly does not make you a true believer because I know there's a lot of demons in church services through the lives of people that are attending. And so what does it mean to truly be dangerous? Is it just another Bible study? Is it just reading the scriptures? Is it just attending church? No, it's doing the will of the Father. It's doing the will of the Father. And what is the will of the Father, Pastor Mike? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, and this is Jesus' last set of instructions before his mic drop moment on planet Earth where he ascended to heaven. Now, I will tell you this, with the level of intentionality of any leader, you are saving the most important thing for last. Am I right? And this is what he says, go. Somebody say go. Come on, say it louder, go. Okay, he didn't say go to church. He, I know I'm offending some people. You're like, Pastor Mike, I drove all the way out here. To, he didn't say go to church. He didn't say go to a Bible study. He didn't. He actually said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole, all of creation. Now, let me just tell you, I obviously have planted many churches, but you will want to go to church if you first go into your neighborhood and start preaching the gospel. Because you'll say, I gotta get back to the gathering of everybody. I gotta worship and get refilled. I've gotta be equipped by the word because I'm gonna metabolize that to go do more work. But if, you're, if your mantra is go to church or go to a Bible study, instead of food becoming fuel, food becomes fat. And God doesn't destine for any of us to grow spiritually lethargic. Do you know that one of the most miserable existences on planet Earth is to be a Christian who doesn't do the will of the Father? It's miserable. It's better. Matter of fact, when you're a non-Christian who sins, at least you get some satisfaction out of the sin. But to be a believer that doesn't go and proclaim the gospel is literally worse than being a sinner in sin because now you're not doing even the will of the Father. There's no satisfaction. It's a miserable existence. I talk to pastors who don't proclaim. Pastors, I talk to pastors who administrate. I talk to, to pastors that plan, but, I talk, but sometimes they don't proclaim. I, some, some, listen, it doesn't even say go to the worship event. <laughs> I love singing songs. I love worshiping. We're gonna do it for infinity in heaven. But it do, he, he didn't emphasize, hey, go and set up a worship event. He said, go and proclaim. Because if you will, and hear me, you may have gotten scheduled to lead worship by, by V1 Church, but you got scheduled to proclaim by Jesus Christ. Because if you will proclaim the gospel, spontaneous worship will begin to erupt and you won't have to even plan the songs, but the songs will begin to be sung because the joy will erupt in the midst. We gotta go back to what Jesus said because he said this before Pentecost. Before it occurred, he said, go and proclaim. I want to go a little bit deeper. Can we keep going? Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Whoever believes. So now you go and, you go and then you proclaim. You go and proclaim. Don't sit and learn. Go and proclaim. Okay, come on. Don't stand and sing. Go and proclaim. This is not like American Christianity. I'm talking about biblical believer stuff right now, like true disciples. Go and proclaim. 
okay? And so when you do that, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, whoever. Now I wanna stop at this word whoever. Whoever means that at a certain point, you should be offended by the people who are coming to Christ. It should be the people that you think, I don't even know if I understand the gospel anymore, it's too radical. The people that you have disqualified from salvation, when those people start accepting Christ, you know that we're doing the mission of Christ. Whoever, it's, and do, do not ever, V1 Church, please hear me. I'm preaching to the front row and I'm preaching all the way to the back row right now. If, hear me, hear me. If we are not offended by the people who are included in whoever believes, we're not doing it right. And what I mean by that is do not ever judge who you think will accept Christ and who won't. I have been proclaiming, going and proclaiming for a long time. And I will tell you this, I've never been able to discern who is gonna receive Christ and who wasn't. As a matter of fact, it ends up being the least likely over and over again that end up getting lit up on fire for the Holy Spirit and they start ministering. And I'm like, where in the world? Going, it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. These signs will accompany. So when someone accompanies you, they go on the journey with you, okay? In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak in new tongues. These, this, it will. Somebody say, this is the word. Look at the text. They will, not they might. And I think there's a lot of denominations, there's a lot of Christians who have accepted the doubt that is enabled when you say they might, they might. No, it says they will. They will be accompanied by these signs. They will speak in new tongues. They will cast out demons, not off. I know it's, oh, the devil's oppressing you. We're gonna cast it off. No, they're gonna cast it out. Demons are gonna be cast out. They will, somebody say they will, come on. They will pick up serpents with their hands and they will drink any deadly poison and it will not hurt them. Pastor Mike, what's Jesus talking about serpents and poison? It's very simple. It's very simple. In the hierarchy of nature, now the creation will have to acknowledge the creator inside of you. You will be more dangerous than a serpent. And when you meet a serpent, they literally will submit to the creator inside of you as the creation. You don't have to worry about serpents. What about poison, Pastor Mike? Oh, listen, the spirit of the living God inside of you will neutralize any threat that comes into your physical body to stop you from going and proclaiming. See, the fastest way to be blessed is to connect your life to what God is already blessing. So, so many people, Pastor Mike, what's my purpose? Help me find my purpose. Well, number one, you've got more than one purpose, right? But if you will connect yourself to going and proclaiming, Pastor Mike, I don't even know the Bible. You know what Jesus did for you. You know who Jesus is for you. You just leave it at that and invite them into that place of knowing him too. And it says you will not be hurt. So many people, especially in different regions, blue collar workers, oh, I did this job for the, the medical benefits. Well, listen to this. It says, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. There is no benefits, no plans better than connecting yourself to the will of God and working for the kingdom. There's a provision for your body. There's a provision for your family. There's a provision for your life. It doesn't say it's gonna be easy. 
It just says that he is going to provision you with supernatural power as you do his will. Listen, I want to end on this because I believe it's so important for you to hear this. Mark chapter 16, verse 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and he sat down on the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere. I love this. Jesus ascends to heaven. And they didn't say, hey guys, let's recap. Does anybody have the notes from the sermon that Jesus just preached? Like, yeah, you want to meet at the local cafe and like talk about it endlessly? They were like, no, it's immediate obedience. He said, go. We're not even discussing it. We're going to go. We are going to learn by going, not learn by talking about learning. And they said, we, we're good. They went everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by a company signs. It didn't say that the preachers went and preached. No, it said they all preached. It, come on, it didn't say that, that just some people, the evangelists saw signs, miracles, and wonders. It said, no, actually, there were signs and wonders everywhere all the time through every person. And if you don't like being a Christian, it's because you're doing it the wrong way. Because if you step into the supernatural dimension and you say, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm gonna go speak to this person. I'm gonna tell them about you. Stop waiting for him to fill your mouth, then you speak. Walk up to them, open an empty mouth, and the Holy Spirit will fill it with words. And you will find that being a Christian is so much better. You'll say, bring on the persecution, bring on whatever I've got to face because I am on mission for God. Being, here's the thing, this is the tale of two cities. There is the Jerusalem of the devout Jews. Then there is the Jerusalem of the dangerous ones. Some going through a religious ceremony and some seeking the living, resurrected king through the Holy Spirit. It's a tale of two cities right now. It's Valparaiso, Indiana. Some who are just gonna go to church because their mama raised them to do it. And some that said, my mom raised me to go to church, but my heavenly father taught me how to be the church. It's a tale of two cities. It's Mike Signorelli who cheated on his wife and developed alcoholism and, and, and failed right here in Valparaiso, Indiana. And it's Mike Signorelli who came back to, to go and proclaim and said, I'm coming back. I, I left here a loser. I'm coming back a champion through Christ. It's a tale of two cities. It's, it's one person saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sick in my body. And it's another one saying, he's given us power over sickness. It's a tale of two cities. It's one person saying, I'm vexed by the demonic. And it's another one saying, I have authority to trample upon serpents and cast demons out. It's a tale of two cities. It's whatever you believe, you get to choose choose which version of the city you live in and you choose with your words you choose with your beliefs you choose with what you declare one person called Long Island the graveyard of churches and I said it's going to be a spot where resurrection takes place one person says northwest Indiana is where dreams die you've got to leave this region to fulfill a dream and I said well that's the very place that God's going to show his strength like we've never seen it before it's a tale of two cities Jerusalem could have been the epicenter of religious observation but instead the Holy Spirit said that's exactly where I want to release my spirit like never before. Do you feel something stirring in your midst right now? Am I the only one that feels like we're about to step into a personal Pentecost right now? Come on. For me, it was 15 years old saying I don't want 
to just go through the motions anymore. If this is real, Holy Spirit, I want it. And I had a personal Pentecost at 843 175th Street in Hammond, Indiana. And I'm telling you, I begin to speak in tongues. And I'm just, it just happened. It didn't happen with a band playing behind me. It didn't happen in an emotional experience. I was laying in my bed completely alone. And I said, I just got done reading the Bible for the third time all the way through. And I said, I'm enough filling my head with knowledge. I want to fill my spirit with the Holy Spirit. And I said, I want it. And I went from an introvert to somebody who'll preach with boldness. And I want that for you right now. Stand on your feet if you're physically at the location on Long Island. If you're watching this broadcast at home, I still challenge you to stand up on your feet right now because this is a tale of two cities. Some of you have been leading one life. And I will tell you this, I feel led by the Holy Spirit to say this, you will never be happy until you're totally surrendered. You will never be satisfied because God's brought you to this place where the sin of the world will no longer satisfy you. You know too much. But then this level of mediocrity that you've kind of been stuck in the middle. See, the time after the resurrection of Christ, but before Pentecost was the messy middle, where it's like, what is going on? I feel so, I feel so disconnected. We used to have Jesus, now Jesus left. What do we do? And they said, when we don't know what else to do, we pray and we seek together. And then the Holy Spirit is released. So right now, with everyone standing on their feet, I want to create a moment Pastor Julie's getting ready to come up here and I believe that she's gonna steward a moment through the Holy Spirit and I believe many of you are gonna experience a personal Pentecost. We've seen signs, miracles, and wonders in our midst. Many of you are here because you're like, Pastor Mike, I simply cannot deny what I saw, but we don't seek signs. We seek the very presence of the Holy Spirit and then signs begin to accompany his presence. Right now, I just feel his presence literally descending in a tangible way. It's one thing for you to be around it, but Pentecost says, God is no longer going to be around you. Greater he that is in me than he that is in the world. He is going to be inside of you. And he's gonna, if you will yield to him, even begin to animate your body and your movements and animate. I'm telling you, you, many of us seek a mentor, allow the Holy Spirit to mentor you. Many of you seek somebody, oh, I wish there was somebody to, to be there for me. I'm, I dare you to foster and nurture the relationship with the Holy Spirit today. It's the tale of two cities. It's who people think you are, who they think you were, and who you're destined to be. You know, I think about, I think about Peter, blue collar, this guy, fisherman, and it's who the world looked at him as. Then after Pentecost, he rose up in boldness and began to preach. And people said, clearly, I don't know him like I think I know. Some of you are going to have to leave this space today, leave this broadcast today and say, you don't know me how you think you know me. It's Mary Magdalene who had seven demons cast out of her, but at the resurrection became the very first female evangelist. Why? because the Holy Spirit will empower you to be a witness to all people. Right now, you are about to receive power. You felt powerless, you were, but after you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. So let's just begin to pray. Pastor Julie.